Hey, listeners, welcome to another really important episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. This is the third episode in a series that we are doing on special needs ministry. And we are excited today to hear from another guest as they talk with Jana Magruder about special needs ministry. Well, hello, listeners. Uh, I'm so glad to be back with you uh, as we continue our series on special needs ministry. Today, I'm so excited to be joined by two special guests uh, that I want you to meet and tell you a little bit about and hear their story. Uh, First of all, uh, we have Tyler Quillett, who is one of my colleagues here at Lifeway, not in the kids ministry world, in the adult ministry world. And Tyler is the editorial team leader of our adult small group resources. And Tyler, you and I have only known each other for a few months, even though you've been at Lifeway a while, I've been at Lifeway a while, but our worlds uh, kind of crossed uh, this summer at uh, our Southern Baptist Convention annual meeting. And we're going to tell that story in a different episode. So listeners, catch my episode with, with Tyler, uh, which really sets up the whole series. Uh, but today, uh, I've asked Tyler to be part of this episode because our second uh, special guest, Jess Dunlap, is joining us as well. And uh These two are here because they served on church staff together at Crossroads Evangelical Church in Wauseon, Ohio. Have I said that right? Yes. Okay. We kind of practiced, so I hope I got that right. Um, And Jess, for nine years, was the special needs coordinator at Crossroads Evangelical Church. And the two of them have a really special story that really grabbed my attention and my heart Uh, And that's what I want to spend some time talking to you all about today. And the reason for that is because we have listeners who who are ministering to special needs children at various ages and stages of their lives, as well as their families. And uh, some of them are at churches where they may have dedicated uh, special needs space and uh, a dedicated uh, ministry assignment. And some may be wondering, how do I do that? And it might feel overwhelming. They may have one child uh, or they may have 10 and a growing number uh, every week. And so we know that our listeners are looking for resources and and ways to equip um, their ministries. And so that's what I want to sort of extract from the two of you today is to set you up to be able to tell the story of of Tyler Yu uh, being uh, the campus pastor at Crossroads and um, as well as a father of a special needs son that I want you to talk a little bit about as well. And then Jess, you being um, someone at the time who helped start a special needs ministry from scratch, really. And so uh, Tyler, why don't you start? Tell us about your role at the time um, and then just uh, where you were as a dad and, and pastor. Yeah, so so I was at Crossroads for 15 years total, but about 10 years ago, uh, we had just recently adopted our two sons from Ethiopia. Uh, our youngest son, Bowen, uh, was about two years old, and and really none of this comes out of um, Bowen's autism, but that was kind of a, a, a stepping stone for us as a family, too. Um, we began to notice, as a staff at Crossroads, that we had a thriving children's ministry and within that children's ministry, the, the growing number of kids with special needs. And that was, that was a very broad spectrum at the time uh, with multiple families 
who had multiple kids um, with really nowhere to go, that they didn't really fit uh, in a specific classroom, couldn't be with mom and dad uh, in service. And, and that really began the thrust of like, we've got to do something about this. At that very same time, Bowen turning two years old is when we began to notice there are some major milestones that our kid is not meeting. And that that began our journey of what what's going on, um, what help does he need, and throughout that uh, realized and and found that uh, Bowen has autism, and then the needs of his that were met through this new ministry uh, that really just took and ran with uh, from scratch, and super super impressive what she's done. Um, really from day one. And so honestly, even as a pastor, I look back on that time. I don't remember so much about this as a pastor. I remember it as a dad. Um, I I don't remember any meetings. <laughs> no offense, Jess. I don't remember any meetings talking about this ministry. I don't remember very much about the the whole plan. I remember as a dad how my my son's needs were met and how amazing that was for our family. So just take us back to that time, uh, maybe some of those meetings, those early meetings, and uh, and what did that look like? Where, how did your church go from having really nothing to offer these families to, uh, you know, next steps for how you began to provide a space for them? Yes. So uh, kind of how Tyler mentioned, we we noticed, we found the need, we saw the need of a gap in our children's ministry. I remember I would only really been attending Crossroads about like six to nine months and really wanted to jump in and get involved with children's ministry. So I was actually teaching like in a three-year-old class. And as I would walk every week to go to my classroom to teach these precious little three-year-olds, I would pass two families in the lobby. And it was very obvious that they were sitting down to kind of, um, I guess I don't, I don't really know how to explain it, but they didn't have a place for some of their older kids to go. And these older kiddos and these two families were um, both families with children with autism. So these families came to church on Wednesday night so their other kids could attend classes. We also had adult classes that these parents could have gone to, but they couldn't because they had to stay with their children, these children with um, special needs that they had nowhere to go. So it started out basically as me just talking to the children's min- the overall children's ministry coordinator and kind of asking some questions and that transferred into me there was an empty classroom down the hall and me and another individual started just dedicating our Wednesdays instead of being teachers in the normal children's ministry opening this door and inviting these parents in and giving them a space to kind of just get to know us for us to kind of get to know their kiddos and then offering for them to, to leave them here with us so that they could then go attend these children or these um, adult ministry opportunities. And at the time, it was three different kids. Um, they were between the ages of, oh goodness, I think they were about 10 to 14 at this point. And that probably lasted, I would say, almost an entire year at that point. And then about nine months into that is when I got to know Tyler and Kathy really well and Bowman because of that as well. And that is when we just kind of realized this this need is huge, you know. So I kind of started doing a little investigating. um, And in our community, we are really church heavy, but 
no other churches I kind of called around offered any type of ministry or any type of space for these families. And at the time, this was in 2014, 15, um, only about 1% of churches in the entire United States offered special needs ministry. Wow. And that just was totally startling to me. It was mm-hmm. kind of crazy. And that was when my heart just broke. And I just realized like, this is a really unchurched, unseen people group, you know, that we really need to go after. And it's not just about these kids. It's about their families as well, you know, and my heart. Yeah. Like I said, it just kind of broke. And I, I, I really saw that need there. We recognized the need there. So that kind of started, I feel like the first step is recognizing the need. And then that's when the that's when these meetings and these conversations started happening. The first um, person that I met with was our children's ministry coordinator at the time, sat down. We kind of discussed what would this look like? Um, where in the church would we be able to do this? The next meeting we brought in um, another one of the campus pastors at the time and the head pastor And we sat down with them and we all knew and all recognized this is a growing need in our community. And we, we want to do something about it. We want to act on it. And then Tyler was really involved kind of like he said, I mean, he was involved from a pastor standpoint, but he also had the heart behind it as a dad. Right. And at this point we've developed a friendship. I knew, I knew Tyler well, I knew his wife and his family. And I just, I was like, you know, if our own pastor has this need, think about all of these families in our area that just feel kind of unseen. So that's where it all started. Well, and, you know, I want listeners to hear that uh, that is where it begins. It begins with meeting a need. And I love Mm -hmm. how you brought out that it's not just about serving these children, it's about serving the families, the parents, so that they can be fed and uh, and worship uh, while their kids are are being cared for, and also just shown the love of Jesus. And so, uh, it's it's both. And so, um, so after that, you know, you recognize the need, you you brought that to the leadership table, and were able to sort of cast a vision for. Uh, you know, our church needs to do this. I did not know that statistic, uh, Jess, about, you know, only 1% of churches were at the time, which was, you know, what, nine years ago, probably. Uh, yeah. That's not that long ago. Um, no. And I'm, I would be curious to know what the percentage is now. We all know, and that's why we're, we're doing things like this series and bringing awareness to um, resources that even Lifeway, Lifeway Kids creates uh, to resource these needs. But what I want to draw out of this particular episode is to help our listeners understand that this doesn't necessarily begin with a big budget item uh, that you have to have in order to begin. This doesn't necessarily need to, you know, even have a space, a dedicated space. It can just begin, first of all, with identifying that there is a need and, uh, and then start to pass the vision to leadership to also uh, start supporting that. So Walk me through, Tyler, you know, kind of what happened next. Yeah, I think it, I'm going to I'm going to ask you a question out of this, Jess. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that most impressed me was throughout throughout this time, as far as what was next, this was obviously not a budgeted ministry, mm-hmm. but this is a ministry that costs a lot of money. 
-hmm. And so to have a sensory room, um, anybody listening to this is probably aware just how much these items cost. And that was not going to fit in our budget. One of the most impressive things to me about this was Jess was given a room. And Jess, I don't remember how much money you were given, but it was not very much. Um, <laughs> it may have been zero. I don't know, but it, it was not much. What Jess made out of nothing was so impressive that we could that we could point families to this with pride, even though we weren't able to give a ton of money to the resources. Jess was able to pull together uh, what she could uh, with what she had and turned it into an incredibly impressive um, sensory room that didn't have all the big bells and whistles that um, that a bigger church might. And so I think a lot of people listening right now would say like, this is great, but we can't afford it. Well, we didn't, we couldn't afford it at the time either. Um, but it was, it was very successful because it met the needs of the kids. And so mm -hmm. I, I guess I say all that to say like, you don't need all the bells and whistles. It doesn't have to be the big expensive stuff. No, if you can afford it, great. And that stuff is helpful. Um, but Jess, can you talk a little bit about like, some of the things that you did as you look back, like some of the ways that you kind of a makeshift room, uh, kind of out of nothing. Yeah, actually, you know, it's, it's funny cause you, you were correct on that. It actually started as a $0 budget. Um, and now thankfully that the church nine years later, there is a, a direct budget line for the sensory room for crossroads. So they're able to kind of buy like the, you know, the more expensive, nice things. But for the first few years, we, uh, yeah, we didn't, we didn't have a lot. So it kind of just came from, I'm a, I'm a visionary, but I'm not very, um, gifted in like sewing or <laughs> constructing things. So I found people around the church that did have that gift. Right. And there were three individuals that made weighted blankets for me at the appropriate, um, weight for the, the children that were in the room. We needed kind of a space. This room that we had was really big. And I, a lot of times, especially with children with sensory processing disorder, they kind of want like a feeling of confinement if they are starting to feel very overwhelmed or overstimulated. So I made partitions out of like PCP pipe and fabric that kind of gave almost like this cave like feeling in the corner. Mm -hmm. And we put some, um, like stargazer lights up there. A lot of it, there was a little bit of money spent just out of my pocket. And a lot of the things that were given or made for the sensory room was, was out of, you know, these individuals pockets as well. Cause we did it at the time, you know, it was, it was a ministry that started kind of in the, the middle of the year, there wasn't a budget line for it. So that was a few things that we did. Um, I mean, there was a supply closet for children's ministry. I would kind of go through there and just kind of like figure out what I could find. And I made sensory bins out of like rice and corn. I made um, flip gadget boards for kids who kind of wanted like that feeling of um, sensory like uh, fixations with like feeling and touching things. So a lot of it was handmade stuff and it was not pretty. I just feel like that needs to be said. Like it was not a, a pretty thing, you know, like this, this, PCP pipe type tent that I made was actually pretty hideous looking. Um, we had to fix it every week because it kept falling apart. I mean, but I feel like the most important thing behind it is that when you, 
when you have these kids and you start to get to know them, you start to understand what their need is. And every kid is different. You know, there is a really popular expression that when you meet one child with autism, that does not mean you know autism. Like every kid is so different. Every need is so different. Um, and we didn't have just children with autism in the room, but that, you know, each kid, they did, they had a different need. So we just kind of got creative and tried to figure out what it was that we could do to, um, help them learn and to kind of foster an environment of inclusion that let their little minds kind of settle so that we were able to just pray with them and show them Christ's love through our actions. So that was our most important thing. We also, this was also kind of a creative thing that we did. Um, Lighting in classrooms can be pretty harsh So we made um, like fabric overlays to go over every single one of the harsh like lightings, you know, that are kind of in the room. They give off a buzzing sound as well. And for one little guy that really set him off, he was only calm in the room if the lights were off. And then we figured out, oh, he he is really fixating the auditory fixation of the humming of these lights. So we put on a noise machine in the room and covered up the harsh lighting with some like fabric and that helped a lot too. So it's just, it's, it's kind of a process of trial and error, but we did what we could, but yeah, we didn't have the fancy gadgets. Like Tyler said, it was, it was pretty, pretty low budget, but it was very effective. And I, yeah. Jess, even if you say, no, this wasn't for Bowen, I kind of felt at the time, like it was the, the room that they were given was an old nursery that had like a little closet in the back. Mm-hmm. I think even a couple closets. Um, and just turned one of those into like, it was kind of like a dark room. Um, I think there was a swing in there, but I remember yep. every Sunday that we would go pick up Bowen, he was always, and en- he always ended up in that room. It felt like I was always going in that little closet and for everybody listening, Jess did not stick our kids in a closet, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was a large closet. I mean, it was, it was, it was good size. Um, but, but it, it felt even then like, Jess was taking that measure of like, this is what Bowen wanted, needed, and what made him feel safe. And so they created that space for him. Um, That may not have been the case, but as a parent, as a dad, I felt like, man, they see Mm -hmm. what my kid wants and, and they adapted. And even, again, this may not have been the case, but like they even gave him his own little room, like gave him his own Mm -hmm. little space. Mm -hmm. And so, um, like Jess said, I think for for anybody looking to do this, it's it's not it's not creating something for the masses. It's seeing each individual kid and saying, "What do they need?" And then going from there and saying, "Okay, these are the things we're going to provide in our room for this kid. Now let's go to the next kid. What do they need?" Mm-hmm. And and I feel like Jess did that really well of knowing the needs of the kids and not just like hey, here's all here's all the sensory things I can buy online click, 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 buy these things. And right. now now we have a sensory room. The kids should be good. Right. It was very much getting to know these kids and saying, what's, how are they going to thrive in this room today? And customizing yes. around that. Yes. So really sensory rooms should look different across you know, the country and yeah. all these different churches because the population, just like you said, just, you know, people might think they know autism if they know, you know, one child with autism, but it's, it's a unique situation, you know, child by child, person by person. I love how you talked about um, asking your volunteers and other church members to contribute their gifts to help 
by making the weighted blankets, for example, uh, that's another way I think that you can start building your ministry is just by beginning to ask what people can do and how can they contribute their gifts. And, um, and once they catch the vision, then you've got, you know, you, you start building your army and it, it becomes, you know, easier to, to build around. So another thing that, uh, I've just, uh, loved about the story of, uh, Crossroads and then in general, Wauseon, Ohio, is how your church was able to use this ministry to reach the broader community. So talk to me about how that happened. Yeah, so there there was a school that started, this is too long of a story, but um, a school that started in Wauseon that was one of the only ones around the country. Um, Jess, Jess spent some time working there. She could probably give some more details on that. Um, but it was very specialized for kids with special needs only. And so we had we had families moving from all around the country to our little podunk town in the mm-hmm. middle of nowhere in Ohio just to get their kids into this school. Um, and it really was an opportunity um, to to reach out to those families, to even, you know, as again, just just spent t- some time working there. I had I had an opportunity to be in a small form of leadership at the school uh, for a very short time before we moved here to Nashville. But um, it was a great opportunity for for our church to see that as just one more opportunity of like here here's a people group we could serve um, not only the kids but so many parents who are now these families moving to to a town uh, where they don't know anybody they've got a special needs child and it's just like they have no support system and so we had a real opportunity to serve uh, a whole new group of people during that time yeah it was really neat that was actually one of my very first memories of kind of the community outreach portion of that. Tyler, I'm sure you probably remember this, but you and I went really early one morning and took coffee and donuts to the families as they were walking into school and just kind of had a little pamphlet for the, you know, kind of just talking about Crossroads and talking about this new ministry and just wanting these families to to know that this is something that, you know, is within their reach in the community And there are quite a few families, Tyler had mentioned, that flocked to our area because of this specific school. And some of them, their spouses stayed where they were from because they needed, like they couldn't leave their job. So we're talking about marriages, you know, where the mom is now living in Wauseon, Ohio, for their child to receive these services. And her husband is, you know, in another state trying to support his family. And so there's just so much going on in their lives as families where they're trying to do their best for their child. So that's why I think it's really important to like just really express like that's why this type of thing was so critical for these families as well. Um, there, From that interaction, one of the stories that I have from like that specific morning when we were doing coffees and donuts, there's a family and they still have um, a kiddo that goes to this specific school And I just met with her the one time and she never actually has stepped a foot inside our church doors, but I run into her a lot. And I have a a relationship with this woman and her son, even though it hasn't been through the actual sensory room ministry at our church, but it was through our outreach to the community. Um, And that's why I thought that was just a really neat way that that we could have, you know, that we did in, in that situation with community outreach. But I think for churches also like different ideas, Um, kind of getting in touch with the board of DD. Um, 
I think uh, there's- uh, Wait, there... tell us what that is, just in case. Yes, the Board of Development Delayed okay. um, is, every county usually has something like that. And so they they do tons of services for like respite care and things like that. And we just kind of sent pamphlets to them as well. And that was another thing where like, then when they're meeting with these families, um, you know, they're, they're kind of able to share that this is another, another, you know, relational resource for these families, which was really, really neat. Yeah, And I'd even add to that, just not, obviously not every church has a special school like this in their town, but every church mm -hmm. has a school system in their town. And so reaching out to, um, reaching out to special needs coordinators and teachers and whoever it is within the school system to say, how can we serve you? How can we serve your kids? How can we serve your families? Um, that's not necessarily, like Jess said, that's not to say, come to our church. Mm -hmm. just, how do we, how can we serve you? Right. Um, in a multitude of ways. Now that might, that may bring people's attention to say like, oh, wow, they've got a special needs ministry for right. my kid, get some involved. That's great. Um, but that's not the purpose of it. Um, it's, it's a way to serve. And so we all have those, we all have these families in our communities, in our school systems. And so how do we, how do we reach out to those school systems and say, let us serve you? Love that. Such an amazing way to display the gospel and invite people to the gospel, uh, through that ministry. So thank you so much, both of you for our time is coming to a close. Uh, I could ask you a lot more, and you guys are uh, have such rich experience um, in this topic, and our listeners um, uh, will want to know more, I'm sure. Uh, so thank you for sharing your story. Uh, listeners, thank you for joining us in this uh, special series uh, where we are exploring uh, all that Lifeway has to offer for special needs ministry, and just to get to hear from other ministry experts uh, about how churches can serve uh, these important families and children. So thank you for joining us on the Kids Ministry 101 podcast, and we'll see you next time.